Welcome to Weston's Sermon Podcast of the Week. We're so glad you joined us today. If you've been encouraged by our ministry and would like to support us financially, you can do so at westonroadchurch.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning, I'm excited to preach a message that I'm entitling Fresh Passion. Fresh Passion. And um, is there anyone here that's really obsessed with your lawn? You could be honest, we're in church, okay? Marina, I would expect you, your shirt even matches the same color as your lawn. It's green. Notice I didn't say it's yellow. My lawn it looks a bit yellow. So I'm thanking God for the rain today. But seriously, is there anyone who's like, you take it seriously, your lawn? Okay, uh, there's one honest person in church, or else maybe the rest of you don't care. But my neighbor is, is a, a particular person, uh, and getting green grass is not as simple, I've learned, as pressing a button. You know, I wish it was that easy because then I would have no problems. But I've texted Marina and Callian and others who have experience there saying, I, I, I don't understand. What do I do? And why is it yellow compared to my neighbors? And I'm a, actually, I'll be honest, I'm a little envious of my neighbor's grass. It's thick. It's dark green. And he cuts it really short, but it looks like a carpet. And then I look at mine, it's, it grows tall, but it's like there are holes. It's not thick, and it's kind of like my head. And uh, so maybe that's why God allowed us to have something in common. But the reality, what I've learned, uh, is the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's actually greener where you water it. That's not news for, for a lot of us, uh, unless you're a new homeowner, perhaps. But... I look at my grass and I try. Every year, I say, this is the year. Our grass will look as good as his, and I fail. But you know what I began to realize? When I put my kids to bed, for me, it's like, okay, it's nighttime. I look outside, my neighbor goes out at that time, and he's watering his grass. And he's out there for at least an hour and a half. I think there is a bit of a difference, though, between passion and obsession, <laughs> I think he might be on the other extreme where he's obsessed with it uh, to the point where when I would actually come out and water the grass, I noticed there's a pattern. He's actually coming out at the same time now, and he's like coaching me. I'm like, hey, how's it going? He's like, no, no, you're doing it wrong. I'm like, then, uh, okay, teach me. I want to learn. I almost want to say now, okay, you, can you just do it? <laughs> so, and then I have no problem. I wish it was as simple as just pressing a button. And the beautiful thing about passion is that when it's fresh, it feels like nothing can stop you. I mean, like a month ago, my grass looked green. I was excited. I went to Home Depot. I bought a bag of earth and seed. I said, I'm going to make it thick and it's going to be great. It was good for like two weeks. Then it got really hot and it got really bad really fast. Passion, when it's, it's fresh and new, Nothing can stop you. This is amazing. It's exciting. You go, hard times come. It doesn't matter because your passion is there and it fuels you. But sometimes life begins to throw all it can at you. Sometimes it's over an extended period of time. And what happens to your passion? It begins to get chipped away one piece at a time, slowly by slowly. And what once never stopped you now is a big deterrent in your life. And this is a big mountain even that say, I don't know if I can climb this anymore or get over it or around it anymore. And you end up losing passion. 
Today I pray, church, that you will find fresh passion in one of the most important areas of life. And it's in your relationship with Jesus. And not just that, I pray it spurs and it overflows beyond that to your, to your family, to your home, to your spouse, to your children, to your workplace. But I believe the passion that I'm speaking about today, it has to start here. And it has to start with Jesus. And so if you have your Bible, would you stand with me and turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. It's going to be on the screen. Usually I like to read from the New Living Translation. This is going to be in the New King James Version. 2 Kings chapter 3. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. And this passage is speaking about Elisha. So it says, Elisha says, now bring me a musician. And then it happened we're reading at verse 15. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle and your animals may drink. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word this morning. I pray, Father, if there was never passion in our lives, that you would bring new passion. And Father, maybe we had it once, but it's dried out and it's died out. Lord, I pray today for fresh passion, that it would be like a bubbling spring within us, overflowing and affecting everyone around us and everything that we touch. Father, I thank you today for your anointing, which makes ministry effective and easy. And I pray that you would anoint my mind my lips and my heart, that I might speak your word in its totality and in its pureness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In 2 Kings chapter 3, we see that Elisha the prophet, the man of God, is the mouthpiece to bring this message. I don't know why they would call for the musician, but I do want to say this. That there are people who are anointed to play music and to sing. This is the original instrument. That's why last week I got aggressive with how we're going to pray for my wife and believe. Because she had a cyst or a big lump that grew and just discovered it, it just driving and was touching her neck. Uh, we went for a, bu a bunch of tests and so far they've returned well but we're not quite done. There are a few more things that once she meets with the surgeon... Um, they think it's just a cyst. I said, you know what, I don't even care if it's called a cyst or not. We just believe that everything is well with my wife. And that's why she's like, my throat hurts a bit. Um, you know, some of her ear. But we, I laid hands on her last night and this morning. And I said, you're going to lead worship because this is what God has given you a passion and an anointing to do. And so we praise God for that. But, but there are musicians, think of David. When Saul was tormented, he said, bring me a, a skilled and anointed musician. And they went to find David wherever he was with the sheep. And God knows how to find you, so don't worry about a platform. God knows you could be in a hot mess with, with what you do every day, you know, just 
You're saying, this is not what you've called me to do. God knows how to find you. I don't know who needs that encouragement today, but God knows where you are. He knows how to find you. And David was brought for Saul, and he was a skilled, skilled musician, but he was also anointed. And in this case, Elisha called for the musician. He comes, he plays, and then the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he gave this word. And the word was simple. We, the, the scene is this. There's a drought, famine. There's no water. And so the cattle are thirsty, the animals are thirsty, and the people are thirsty. So this doesn't look like a good situation. It's like, where's your zeal? Where's your passion? Right? But the word comes, and it says that there will be water. There will be water, but there's going to be no wind and no rain. Now, some of us would hear that and say, but how does that make sense, Lord? How are we going to drink? How, are, how will our animals be refreshed? It doesn't make any sense. And so that's the scene. But here's what scholars say. They say that all they had to do was dig a foot through the sand, and they would find rock. And then if they would break through the rock, they would then find four feet below flowing fresh water. You see, the water was there all the time. It's just that they didn't know what they had to do. And so God told them, this is what you have to do to find the water. It's not going to come like you expect it or you think it. The water has already been provided. What did they have to do? The word of the Lord came and said, dig ditches. And then the water began to flow up. And you see, I submit this as we begin this message on fresh passion. A lot of us try to do a lot of things to get that passion back. Think of your marriage Maybe there's passion that once was there when you're first married. Everything was, oh, you're in the honeymoon phase. We have a couple that's getting married here in two weeks. And uh, we've had a wonderful time through their marriage coaching. Uh, but really, the wedding day is just the first day, right? What we're actually in this for is marriage, a life together, husband and wife. And so uh, a lot of times we look at sources. How, how does this? But I want to submit this. In your walk with God. The best way to infuse your life with passion again is to dig deeper with him, to go deeper with God. A lot of times we say, well, maybe i got to buy a book. Maybe I need a new Christian book just to kind of give me that zeal back for the Lord, the passion back. I just submit this to you. Dig deeper into the things of God. Dig deeper into the things of God. Worship more, more intently, show up, uh, put it in your car, put music on, just so you, your mind doesn't wander. You can turn on the radio, you can listen to a bunch of podcasts, even Christian podcasts, but those might not even give you that encounter with the Lord, because I could be in the same room with my wife, but miss her altogether. And she's like, hello, hello, I asked you three things, you haven't replied yet. Uh, 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 uh. Let's not be that way with God. But when we say uh, dig deeper with God, it means, Lord, here I am. Every distraction I push aside, I turn my phone off. Not mute, off. God, I've come in this half hour to meet with you. Lord, I'm waiting. By the way, prayer, if you, prayer is a great way to dig deeper with God because it's communication. But here's the secret. You can't just go on for half an hour. If you say, I have a half hour prayer time. I would say, pray a bit, speak to God. But then wait and listen, because that's how communication works. If, if I just come home from work and go on and on and on for half an hour, I didn't communicate with my wife. I just told her about how my day was. Communication, true communication is me 
having the ability to speak and then to stop, to listen and then to actually respond to what my wife now has said. And hopefully she's responded a little to what I have shared. Communication. Go deeper with God. Go deeper with God. We're going to dive deeper today. But here's the bottom line. Passion is not a button to be pushed. It's a relationship to be pursued. Passion, again, back to the grass. If it was that easy, we'd all be super passionate about everything and all of the time. But the reality is, it's not like that. And so, do you want to know what passion made me do when I was pursuing Priscilla? I'll tell you. I, I was in, living in Montreal. That's where I was born and raised. And every second weekend, I would get in my car. So I was working I, at FedEx. I'd wake up at 4 a.m., drive around deliveries all day long till 1 p.m. Then I'd get in my car, still in my uniform, with my steel toe boots on, and drive all the way to Toronto in summer. Yes, Pastor. Uh, yeah. Uh, what about winter? Yep. Nothing would stop me. My father counseled me this one time. Jonathan, there is a snowstorm. I knew because I was driving with my FedEx truck all day, and I got stuck three times. He's like, you shouldn't go. I said, that's okay, Dad. Thanks for your wisdom. I'm going. And I, and I got here at 9 p.m. that Friday night. It took a long time on the 401. But passion will make you do crazy things. Not only that, I would spend every visit from gas to food and taking her out. We'd go to church on Sunday. I would eat at the restaurant with Priscilla. And then I would drive straight home, go to sleep, wake up, go to work the next day. Just like that. Every other week it was like that. And, and I would spend almost $400 every time. $400. From a financial perspective, my father would, if he, if he knew how much I'd spend, he'd say, that's foolish. <laughs> Why would you do that? He never asked me because I never told him how much it would cost every visit. But passion made me do that. Passion made me do that. That's a little bit of my story. But again, it's not a button that you can just press. It's a relationship to be pursued. Think of the coach. My son's playing soccer this year. He's doing really well. I'm so excited. I'm actually looking forward to Monday nights when he plays his games. Last year was not the same story. I was like, please spare us. Spare us. But the relationship between the coach and the players, I see the passion now starting. The coach is excited because the kids are now getting it. The light bulbs are going off. The husband and the wife. Uh, I haven't had a date with Priscilla in a long time. We celebrated our ninth year wedding anniversary. And guess what? Finally Thursday, almost a month later, we're going to go out for our anniversary. No kids for the first time in the longest time. And the, and, and, but we need that passion between a husband and a wife, a spouse. And then, but what about Christ? By the way, Scripture tells us that he is the bridegroom. And as the church, we are his bride. So that picture applies there too in terms of passion. It's not a button. Husbands and wives, you know that today. It's not a button. It's work. It's, you need to pursue one another in relationship. But it's the same thing with Christ. Okay, so you get the idea now. It's not a button that we just push. It's a relationship to be pursued. And this morning, I want to share with you three spiritual and symbolic elements that affect your passion. They affect your passion. And here are the three words. Fire, oil, and wine. Fire, oil, and wine. If you go to the next slide, I think we have the, the icons there for you to get your visual. So fire, oil, 
and wine. And they are all also symbols of the Holy Spirit. But here's the problem. Fire dies out. Oil gets used up or drains out or drips out. And wine can also turn sour. And the same thing can happen in your passion with God. And as that happens, you notice your passion diminishes. The fire that once burned dies out. It grows dim. What happens is this. You begin to walk around like a cracked pot. I didn't say like a crack pot. Like a cracked pot, a clay pot, a vessel that's cracked. It can't contain anything anymore. It just leaks. And whatever contents are placed inside of it begin to ooze out. And so we become like that. Instead of a, a living water flowing inside of us, we are cracked and dry and feel like, what's the point? What is even the point? And so here's the question that I, I want to ask today. And then hopefully we can try to answer it. So how do we rekindle the fire? How do we replenish the oil? And how do we refresh the wine? You might say, well, get more wood for the fire. <laughs> get some matches as well while you're at it. Uh, get more oil. Get new wine to fill it up. Well, great. So how do we do that? So you're not responsible. I want to make it very clear as we get into this this morning. You are not responsible for the source or the supply. Did you know that? In our text, they weren't responsible to figure out how to get water. God provides the water. What they were responsible to do was dig ditches. So in this context that we're talking about this morning, God is the source and the supply. What we need to provide and bring to the table is the willing vessel this morning. And it's okay if you say, well, my vessel's empty. That's okay. Because an empty vessel is a vessel God can fill. Can somebody say amen? So even if you're dry today and you feel like, man, getting to church was hard, I'm so encouraged that you're here. And I pray that you're going to leave here filled up, different than how you came in. Because sometimes it's the empty vessel that God longs to fill. If it's filled with so many other things, God's saying, I can't fit. How can I get in? You've, you've filled it with so much stuff. So some, if you're here and you're saying, all I have is an empty vessel, I think you're a perfect candidate today to receive from the Lord in Jesus' name. So you're not responsible for the source or the supply. Know that. Know that. God is the source and God is the supply. So the question, again, is this. Are you ready to pursue the relationship? Are you ready to say, God, here I am. You are all I want. I'm, here I am, God. I build my life upon a firm foundation. We sang those words today. God, this is my desire, is that I would have a fresh passion. So I just let's talk through these three things. We said fire, oil, and wine. You see, there was uh, near our house, there was a fire on a farmer's field. We lived just on the edge of like Brampton Caledon, right through that line of Mayfield Road. And at the corner, there was like a nice, you know, when, it, when you see the farmer's fields and it starts to grow, it's a beautiful picture. It's a sign of life. But one day I remember Priscilla called me. She's like, you won't believe what happened. I'm like, what? She goes, remember that farmer's field on the corner? She's like, it, it was in flames today. The whole thing caught fire and it burned. So she goes, when you come home, drive by and like you'll see it. It's crazy. 
I did. It was crazy. My son reminded me for the next year. Remember that? The fire that we saw? Remember there? And so I remember seeing like it was charred. It saw black. It kind of moved to the edge of the road where the fence was. But you know, today when I drive by, it doesn't look the same anymore. Why? Well, the fire burned up whatever was, was maybe dry or, or not good anymore. It burned also some good crop, I'm sure. But what happened is it started to grow again. It started to grow again. So fire can be viewed as damaging, but I believe God causes all things to work together for good, right? So what I also see happening with fire is that God can still use that to burn up things in your life that shouldn't be there to consume things that consume you. And God will use and get rid of that stuff with fire. Sometimes you might feel like you're walking through fire. But I want you to know that fire has good quality as well. Because when you put gold in the fire, what happens? It is refined. It burns away the dross. It burns away the impurities. And then what rises to the top is the gold. And so I pray today that even though... The fire might have died out in your life. Why am I praying that it would be turned up? Well, fire is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We'll read it in a second in Acts chapter 2. Number one, it will burn away the things that are a waste of time in your life. will allow you to focus on relationships and things that really matter. But also, it will bring the gold out of your life. This is what the fire of God does. And I also pray that it would be a, a fire of passion that burns within you. And so when the fire comes, it burns up everything that was old. And it can also set us on fire to burn with passion. Kevin DeYoung said this. It's a quote. The world needs to see Christians burning, not with self-righteous fury at the sliding morals in our country, but with passion for God. You see, I, I like Facebook and I hate it at the same time. I actually, it, it wastes my time more than is a tool for life and for ministry. Why? I look at some of what my friends are writing, and I'm not talking about people from church, um, but I, sometimes I'll read, and then there's like a string of comments, and it's like a rabbit trail. You begin to read, and they're just debating a topic. They're just going back and forth. These are Bible school. It happened every single lunch break, and, and I couldn't, I couldn't, that's why I sat with Trisha, or that's probably why she sat with me, if you remember what she said, because we would just enjoy lunch and, and talk about life. But people like to debate and nitpick, and, and uh, what did it really mean? And then they get onto issues, in, and it's not wrong to have that. But listen, as a Christian, let's be more passionate about Christ than, than about having a debate and picking each other's brains. It's not bad. And, and it's actually healthy to think and to be able to talk. And to, to be able to talk back and forth and defend what you believe. Absolutely. But let not, may we not be known as debaters. May we be known as people who are passionate about Christ. Can you say amen? And so I believe a lot of people know what the church is against as Christians, but they do not actually know what we are for. They know a lot of what we're against. And at Christians campaign and they show up at protests sometimes. They know a lot of what we're against. And I think we need to do a better job of letting people actually know what we are for. Did you know that we are for people? We're for you. We said this renovation project it wasn't about us. It was for people. It's not what we want from people. 
We've always said it's what we want for people. And, and I think we need to do a better job at letting the world, not just West, I'm talking about the, the church, know what we are for. We are for everyone having an encounter with God. We are for, we love people. Jesus died for people. God sent his son. We are for people. But I think the message that gets processed and translated and communicated oftentimes is, well, we are against this and we are against this. And people think, well, the church hates people. <laughs> right? That's not what Jesus came to do. He came because he loved the world and he gave his life as a ransom for many. In Acts chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is what it says about fire. And then we're going to move on, I promise. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. That's what I was alluding to in our time of prayer. But isn't that interesting? On the day of Pentecost, tongues like fire rested on their heads. And there's something about fire that is enabling in our lives as believers. There's a fire that burns within us. And you know what happened? They walked out of the upper room. There are a bunch of people surrounding, observing what, what just happened. And what they realize is that they're speaking in languages that they, these guys never learned. Some of them were dialects uh, that, that they recognized even. But this was... Uh, not of their own ability, but this overflowed from the fire of the Holy Ghost that now rested on them. And listen, up until then, the disciples, those who followed Jesus' ministry, you have to understand the bigger picture. They all relied on Jesus. Jesus, you can't go. We need you. You are the miracle worker. You are the one who turns water into wine. You are the one who does this. We, but Jesus said, I must go so that the helper can come, the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. So they relied on Jesus for his ministry to that extent. So for him to leave, they, they had to feel this void in their life. And in, well, who's going to lay hands on the sick? And who's going to be able to preach like Jesus and teach like Jesus? And, and what happened? After this encounter in the upper room, Peter steps up. Anointed, full with, where did he get the passion from? The Holy Spirit. The whole, they were waiting. They were waiting. They were digging their ditch and finding the water now that Jesus promised was already there, was, was going to be given to them. And they received it. And that's the fire. We need the fire. The fire dies out. You pray, God, fan into flame the gift of God in my life. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. Number two is the oil. The oil is a symbol of anointing. The oil is the symbol of anointing. If you track back to 1 Samuel 16 in verse 13, Samuel shows up to the house of Jesse looking to anoint the next king. Saul didn't do a good job, didn't honor God, wanted to do things his way. God said, find me another king. Go to the house. They look through all the sons. You, you probably know the story. He goes, but is there anyone else? Oh, well, there's Jesse out in the, uh, there's David out in the field. He's like, bring him to me. He comes, Samuel knows that this is the man, that he is to anoint. So he literally pours oil over him. 
And that was a symbol outwardly of anointing. And what does the Bible say in 1 Samuel 16, 13? So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then just as then Samuel went to Ramah, he left. He did his thing. He's like, I, I anointed the king like I was asked. But the point I don't want you to miss, it's nothing special about the olive oil or the flask that was used. What's important is it's the Holy Spirit anointing that, that came upon David mightily from that day on. There was an anointing on David. I want you to know that there's an oil of anointing for, for you as the believer that we have access to. And there's this picture that one of my friends I was talking to, um, he had this picture, and I want to share it with you because I believe some of you might feel like this. So if you could picture an engine. I'm not a mechanic, so bear with me if, if I try my best. Um, picture an engine, right? There are moving parts in an engine, right? Some of, some of you, uh, I remember someone I knew, they, they go, what? I need to go get an oil change? <laughs> like, how long have you been driving? And they said it's been like a year. And they didn't have one of those newer special cars that don't need oil. They needed one every 6,000 kilometers. And they never did. I'm like, I don't know how that engine is still going. But what happens is there are moving parts. And the oil comes. And what does it do? It lubricates the, the engine on the inside so that the pistons or the cylinders, whatever the right term is, are able to move and function. The faster you go, the faster that engine and the harder it works, right? You're with me still? Are you with me still? Good. So the engine, some of, of you might be like a tired engine. And this is the picture my friend shared with me. He's like, there's an engine and there's no more oil in the engine. And it's grinding. It's like it's about to cease. And we're trying and we're trying everything. But we don't know or understand or recognize we need oil. We need oil to function. We need the oil of anointing as believers to, to flow and to function properly. Or else you might be going, and, and the engine will tell you. I, I seized once my sister paid me 50 bucks. I wasn't married. I had no idea. I didn't own my own house or lawnmower. Uh, but he had an, my brother-in-law had an electric um, weed whacker. Not electric, sorry, gas-powered weed whacker and then the lawnmower. So uh, this is my sister, Sabrina and Enzo. So he said, okay, um, so please cut the grass and then do all the trim. Somehow the engine seized on the lawnmower and then it seized also on the weed whacker. So I, I left it like half done. I said, I have no idea. He's like, did you put the oil? I said, I did. I, tr I did everything he told me to do, but those engines seized. You know what he had to do? Throw them out. Throw them out wide. They're good for nothing. You might be tired today, feeling like an engine trying to run with no oil to lubricate the parts that are supposed to flow and function to get you moving and going. I believe today that the oil of anointing, God is ready to pour it on, on whosoever will. Remember, you are the vessel, but he brings the source and supply. And that's... That's the picture of oil, and we need the oil of anointing. Why? I prayed it before I started preaching. It makes ministry effective. 
it, I would even say, and I prayed it today, it makes ministry easier. It's not always easy, but it makes it easier. The oil of anointing for life, for daily living. When I was getting up at 4 a.m. in Montreal to go to work in winter, it was like minus 30. And I couldn't even hold the steering wheel to drive without thick gloves. And I remember saying, Lord, what in the world am I doing? Remember, passion. I wanted to buy a, uh, a wedding ring to give to my, my future fiancé. Uh, so I, I said, Father, I'm anointed to live this life. I'm anointed to live this life. And I, I kid you not, the whole time I spent at FedEx, I actually enjoyed it. As crazy as the time and the hours were, I actually enjoyed my time there. The oil of anointing. And then thirdly is the wine. The wine. And I've been praying this over our church. It doesn't matter if you weren't aware of it. But I've been praying this over our church that God would give us new wine. And it got, sometimes I'd pray in our pre-service prayer and it would get a little quiet and awkward when I would say that. Because I don't know if everyone understands what I would mean when I'm praying, Lord, give us new wine. Like thinking, uh, is this for communion purposes? Or is this going to be, uh, is Pastor John giving himself over to wine that we're not aware of? Uh, I, I don't even really like wine, so I don't even touch it unless I do it to honor my grandfather uh, who used to make his own wine. I would have just a little bit, just a little bit, because if I had even half a glass, I'd be uh, taking a little nap before I could finish my plate of pasta. But when we talk about new wine, again, these are symbols of the Holy Spirit. We said fire, symbol of the Holy Spirit. Oil, symbol of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And then there's wine. Matthew 9.17 says this, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins. And here's the reason why. So that both... Are preserved. You don't want a broken wine skin and you don't want to waste new wine. And in this context, there is reference to the new covenant through Jesus being the new wine and then the old covenant because people thought the old wine was better. Well, we like everything about the law. And so there's a whole other application that I'm not going to get into, but that's kind of where Matthew 9 is heading. But what I want to say to us today, and the New Bible Commentary says this, the new wine is an image of a powerful, effervescent new relationship with God, which bursts out of the dried up confines of formal religion. It's, it's, it's a very contrasting picture. It's very contrasting. One is kind of dead and stuck, and then the other is life-giving, effervescent, as it's, it's described in this commentary. New wine also means a new influence. Uh, and sorry for the close analogy, but it gets to that too in Scripture about drunkenness. But in Acts chapter 2.13, we read the beginning part about the fire showing as tongues of fire on their heads. Acts 2.13 says this uh, about that whole encounter in the upper room. When they saw them speaking in other tongues, others mocked, saying, they are full of new wine. It was a mockery. They're, they were mocking those people. But Ephesians 5.18, so it's compared, but it's also contrasted. Ephesians 5.18 says this, don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And when you look at the origin of be filled, it's actually a continual filling. Not just I'm filled and I'm going to go on. But it's a daily infilling of the Holy Spirit. Be filled. So they're close, but they're different. They're compared, but they're contrasted as well. So don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's new wine. That's new wine for the church. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Not just a one-time deal, but a continual filling. It drips, it gets empty a bit, it fills up again. Remember, who is the supply? God. Sorry, who is the source? God. And he is the one who gives the supply. But what do we have to do, church? We have to bring the vessel. We are the vessel. And we say, God, fill me up. God, fill me up with new wine, with fresh passion, with fresh power, with new power. And there's a quote from uh, some lyrics from a song from the New Hill Song worship album. It's, the song is entitled New Wine. And from the beginning, the first time I heard it, that's when I felt God begin to stir my heart for this phrase, new wine. And these are the words that the song starts with. In the crushing and in the pressing, you are making new wine. Let's just stop for a second. I remember watching my grandfather. He passed away in his late 60s on my father's side. But I still have a memory. I must have been eight years old. In his garage, he had all these grapes. Nowadays, I don't even think people do go through all of that anymore. But he had these big barrels in his garage. And, but as they were crushing and pressing the grapes, it was a lot of work. I was too young to help because my dad said, no, you, that's why I'm here, son. And, and he was going, the smell that was coming out of the fresh grapes, like that's all I cared about. Who cares about when it's fermented? I want to try and eat these good grapes. And, but it was a lot of work. But the grapes, in order to produce the wine, what happens? They are crushed and they are pressed. In life... Don't worry if it feels like you're getting crushed or you're getting pressed on every side. I believe in those moments as you draw on the power of the Holy Spirit, as you continue on digging the ditch so you can find the water, as we read in 2 Kings, I believe that you're going to find new wine. I believe that God is going to bring new wine. And so that's line one. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making New wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. And then it goes on to the bridge. Where there is new wine, there is new power. There is new freedom. The kingdom is here. And this is the part for me as well that applies. I lay down my old flames to carry your new fire today. To carry your new fire today. And so church... We know what the problem was. We know what we need. And here's what we need to do with it now. We need to invest in our relationship with Jesus. We need to invest. We need to say, God, you are the, you are the source and you give the supply. Now I bring my vessel to you. I am that vessel. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet today. And I've asked some of the musicians to come back because I want to give you an opportunity to just create a bit of that space. I know you likely have lunch plans made. Uh, maybe you, you have a soccer game you want to watch or a replay of it. I just want to say this. 
don't, don't be so quick to jump to that. I believe some of us need to learn how to create that space, how to create that environment. And we say, God, I remove all distractions. And Lord, I'm here to meet with you. I'm here, Lord, for, for the fresh fire of your Holy Spirit, the oil, Lord, for this tired engine that, that it would work like never before or the new wine that you're making for my life, that I would be uh, new wine for people that you want me to minister to. And you might say, okay, that's great, but why is it important? Well, if you don't do that, here's what's going to happen, or maybe it's already happening in your life. You're going to be dry, and you're going to be cracked, and you're going to not be able to function like God intended you to function. So really, it's a call to the church as a whole. I can't give you that oil. I can't give you that fire. It only comes when you draw from the true source and supply. And this morning I'm opening these altars for whosoever will, just to spend time in the presence of the Lord. I believe in our day and age, we've become very accustomed to here and now. Here and now. I can actually order with my phone on Uber Eats and McDonald's up the road will come and bring me my food for lunch. I just know it. I've never tried it. But I know it, I can if I want. But we've come, become too accustomed to this. Here and now. Here and now. My time. This is it. I, I'm a busy person. Don't you know I got to go? Of course. So do I. But what about him? What about God? And so this morning, I'm just opening up the altars for whosoever will. Maybe you're really good and you have time where you meet with him. God bless you continue to nurture that relationship remember passion is not a button we could just press i can't order passion on my phone it's something that i actually have to do the time and say god as as long as it's gonna take you think it was easy to dig those ditches to go through a foot of sand and then through rock to find the water that the prophet was talking about no it took effort yeah but i'm tired and yes but it, they were thirsty. <laughs> they were in drought. They had animals that were thirsty. They had to do the work to find what God had already provided. This morning, God has provided for you. And the invitation is simply to, to come and do this together. If you don't, I'm, I'm not going to be upset. But I, I just, my heart today is for those people who are cracked and dry and the engine is, is about to cease. If that's you, you come, and we spend some time in God's presence. And I'm just going to ask the worship team to lead us in, in song. And however long it takes, when I feel God say, this is a good moment, then I'm going to come up and close. If you go, uh, I just ask you to kindly exit the sanctuary. Don't, don't stay at the back in here and talk, uh, but you can use the foyer. Uh, but let's just honor God in this space for people who are at that point in their life. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Sermon of the Week. God wants to work in your life, and we want to hear about it. Please take a moment to share your story by emailing amen at westonroadchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope listening to this week's message has equipped you to be the light wherever you go.